0: Praise God. Well, take your Bibles out and turn to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 22. We have been concentrating on prayer. And we're going to continue. I thought we may end, but um, at least for a few more weeks here. I believe we're going to stay in the same mode. Just exhaust. I have several things the Spirit of God... When I preach the last message that, uh, I, I think that I'm to preach, God gives me something else or a few other thoughts on prayer. And, uh, we're just going to continue to go as the Spirit leads. Amen. Amen. As Christians, we know that we are called to a life of prayer, a life of communion with God. And as we've mentioned throughout this series, even many, many times, relationship is impossible without communion. Relationship demands communion. I cannot say, amen, that I love Jesus, that I have a relationship with God, and I, you know, fail to talk to Him or share with Him or open my heart to have communion with Him. Amen. I cannot say that I love God if, you know, to worship and to praise God is something laborious. Amen. Something that I don't want to do. Something that I'm made to do. And I'm, I suggest, I'm not suggesting that uh, you're always going to feel, amen, like praying or always feel like worshiping or always feel like obeying the Word of God. We walk by faith and not by sight. Not by our emotions, not by feelings. But nevertheless, there should be the seed of life, the germ of life in the heart of every man that's been born again, amen, that desires to do the will of God above all things. And to have communion with God should be at the very foundation, amen, of our Christian experience. However, in our study of prayer, we would be negligent to ignore the obvious divisions and degrees within the sphere of prayer. For example, there's the devotional prayer, and we talked about that. And there are many facets of prayer, but there's the prayer of thanksgiving, there's uh, the prayer of worship, but there's also the intercessory prayer. And it is this type of prayer, the prayer of intercession, that we want to focus in on this morning. We're reading from the Old Testament, the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 22. Chapter 22, beginning in verse 30, and we'll read the last two verses of that chapter, 30 and 31. The prophet Ezekiel speaking, As the oracle of God, speaking for God, that I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Now, when the term land is used here, we understand that uh, that doesn't mean the physical material earth, but it speaks of the souls therein, amen, intercession for the human souls that live or abide, exist in the land. He said, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land or for the people, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore, or because of that, I have poured out mine indignation upon them, I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. Now turn to the New Testament, to the book of Hebrews in chapter 7. The book of Hebrews chapter 7, verses 22 through 25, speaking of the high priestly Office of the Lord Jesus Christ here, this passage. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And there's a comparison or a contrast... Made Not just merely in this chapter or in this passage, but throughout the book of Hebrews between the new covenant and the old, and the old priesthood and the new. And we see this contrast here in these beginning verses of this passage. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament or covenant. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. Speaking of the old priesthood. But this man, speaking of Christ, Jesus, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Jesus, our heavenly high priest, we see here is an intercessor. So our thought here this morning is the prayer of intercession. The prayer of intercession. Father, we trust you here this morning to speak, Lord, exactly what you would speak, Lord, your mind, that I would speak as the oracles of God. That you would compel us, convict us. Lord, challenge us, encourage us to pray the prayer of intercession, to be intercessors for the land about us, Father. We know that you were seeking, you were looking for such intercessors. And Father, we trust that you will find by your grace such intercessors amongst us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, intercession is perhaps the highest and the most sublime form of prayer. And we need to look no further than Hebrews 7 and 25, which we just read and elaborated on to verify this lofty assertion. Amen. It says, wherefore he, or wherefore Jesus, also is able to save to the uttermost them that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. So we see that the Lord Jesus Christ, who we know is the master evangelist, is able to save those whom he preached to and those who he continues to preach to through the body, amen, of Christ, the church. He is able to save them to the uttermost Not merely because he's willing to preach, and thank God he is willing to preach. We're not uh, de-emphasizing the preaching of the Word of God. But we also see that he ever liveth to intercede. Amen. Jesus is a preacher. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful that the gospel was preached to you? But Jesus also, amen, is an intercessor, amen, and thank God there has been prayer offered for you. I believe there has been prayer offered for every individual, amen, that's ever been born of God, if it wasn't just Jesus interceding for that person. But you know, the will of God is that the church, amen, would intercede, and the church would intercede for the land Amen around them. You know, we make much of biblical evangelism, and no doubt we should. But perhaps we've overlooked, or perhaps by the emphasis, amen, of evangelism, we have neglected another essential element in the securing of souls for the kingdom of God. And that is the prayer of intercession, amen? And yet we must understand, if this is a ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, And the verses that we just read irrefutably prove that it is. Amen. Shouldn't likewise, amen, that ministry be in the church? Are we not the body of Christ? Are we not privileged in that we are called to be fellow laborers in the vineyard? Are we not to do what he does? Amen. Are we not to go where he goes? Are we not to offer ourselves and to yield ourselves to be partakers of that heavenly ministry? Amen. The answer to all those questions is an affirmative. We are to embrace the vision of the Lord Jesus Christ. As the Apostle Paul declared in 1 Timothy 2 and 11, I exhort therefore that first of all, Amen, this is one of the first things that the church should be doing. Supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks and in fact you could talk about these four areas of the uh, prayer that the Holy Ghost divides or distinguishes between in this verse supplication, prayer, intercession and giving of thanks be made for who? be made for all men amen you see intercessory prayer is something that should be evident among the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ if this is truly a God ordained and a God-planted church, amen, if God is indeed sent us here to do the work of the ministry, then there should be intercessory prayer going forth, coming up, amen, out of this local assembly. Surely if God is commissioning men to go into all the world to preach, amen, he must also be calling men to go into their closets to intercede. It doesn't make sense for men to preach and not to pray. I said it doesn't make any sense. Amen. And we're naive. We're foolish. We're proud. If we believe that our preaching will be effectual if we fail to pray for those that we preach to. Amen. We would say the same thing about someone who perhaps would emphasize prayer, but who would neglect preaching. We would say they're naive. They're foolish. They're only obeying half the Bible to simply pray for sinners they come in contact with, but they refuse to confront them for the sin that they're obviously in. Amen. We would say you're wrong. You're going to have to open your mouth and you're going to have to confront them, amen, with the truth because it's the truth that makes free. Well, likewise, perhaps someone like that could turn around and tell us, hey man, it's good that you confront, it's good that you preach to people, but have you been praying for the people that you preach to? For I've sovereignly placed those individuals. I've providentially placed those individuals in your life. And the only reason that you see and discern that they're on their way to hell, amen, is because I have put you there, amen, not merely to confront them and to warn them, but also to pray for them. Amen. This morning, for our encouragement and edification, may God challenge us to be more sensitive to the call of intercession. I believe all of us can and should pray more for others. And that's, you know, basically what intercession is, is to pray for others, amen, that the need would be divinely met. Amen. How many of you have parents on their way to hell? How many of you have brothers and sisters, siblings on their way to hell? How many of you have grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, niece, nephew, whatever it may be, in sin, blind, amen, could drop dead today and burn in hell forever? Amen. There's a lot of things to pray for. Amen. You could be interceding, amen, for your family. And you were to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If you were lost and on your way to hell, would you hope... That your saved mother, or your saved father, or your saved wife, or your saved husband, or your saved son, or your saved daughter, or whatever it may be, would be interceding that you would come to repentance. Amen. We should be praying. For our lost families. We should be praying for those whom we preach to at the Illusions Club. We should pray for Daniel. Amen. He's a blasphemer. Amen. He's an evil and a wicked man. He deserves hellfire. Amen. But God has called us to believe for him and to pray for him. And yes, to continue to rebuke him. But we are going to stand before God if we're not interceding for those wicked men. What about, you know, the students in LSU? Even how many times have we had conversations with people? Know the individual by name. Ride home in the car with one another. And there's nothing wrong with this. But we'll tell, you know, uh, the incidences of the day. And say, I was talking to a young man. His name is Michael. And this is the conversation that we had. And this is what he said. And this is what I said. And this is how he responded. We know his name. We know he's lost. Amen. We'll talk about him with one another. But we never pray for him. We never mention him before God it shouldn't be I said it shouldn't be And perhaps, amen, perhaps. Amen, listen to me. God's not going to force anyone to get right. We know that's the truth. Amen. But God, listen to me. If we would pray that the promises that God would deal with them, if they crossed our path, if the Spirit of God convicted them, then God has every intention to save them. Amen. It's not the will of God that any man perish, not even Daniel out there at the illusions club. And the only reason that we know about him is because God's sin is there but not merely to be a preacher but also to be an intercessor what about the church? There's needs here amongst us. And we all know the needs. Amen. We can see different ones of us are burdened for different needs. Perhaps someone has, you know, wrestled with sickness more than another. And so they see they're keen to the need for healing. Amen. We need divine healing here. That is part of what Jesus purchased in the atonement. Amen. It brings glory to God for God to heal. Amen. But someone needs to intercede. Someone needs to pray. They need to see that need and they need to shut in with God and wrestle with God that He might be glorified. Amen in that way. Now, there are various needs amongst us, amen. We could be praying for all manner of things. Would somebody intercede? There's so much that we could be prayed for, amen. So we see, amen, all of us could pray in a greater way and pray in an intercessory way. And yet I cannot escape the thought that surely, amen, there is someone here that God is calling specifically to be an intercessor. You know, some of you don't see that much hey, being in the church. You see people say, that I'm called to preach. See, people say, well, I'm called to serve. I have the gift of helps. Amen. But you, you rarely find someone amen, that is an intercessor. And they may not go, if they're a real intercessor, they may not go about and talk about it so much. Amen. But you know, if someone is really interceding, you're going to discern that they're there. Amen. And sooner or later, it's going to be revealed that there are men and women who are burdened to pray. Amen. You see, someone needs to be willing to lay Labor behind the scenes, amen, seeking the praise that only comes from God alone. And as I stand here in this pulpit here this morning, I believe it's accurate for me to testify that such a ministry, the hidden ministry of intercession, is perhaps the highest and most effectual ministry that an individual can enter into, amen, to pray, amen, to labor in secret in that closet, to obey god to wrestle with god to have a burden to bring the will of god to fruition amen into time is the highest and the is calling amen the need for intercessors the need for intercession i believe is great and I believe it's great amongst us we read there in verse 30 the beginning and I sought for a man among them God is looking for such individuals God is looking for someone that will be an intercessor someone that would make up the hedge in other words someone that sees the deficiency sees there's a breach Amen. someone recognizes Amen. there's something missing over here someone who will stand Stand in that place. Stand in that gap where there's a deficiency. And plead with God to meet the need for the people. Amen. That he wouldn't destroy it. Amen. That there wouldn't be. Amen. A Judgment. Chastisement. There wouldn't be a lack. Amen. Even in regards to the wicked. We see. Amen. There is a breach. We see where the sinner is lost and under the judgment of God. They may not believe it. But we know it to be true. On Friday night they stood on that porch as brazen as I've ever seen sinners become and basically say "Amen, nothing's wrong but there is something wrong and we know it's wrong. Whether they agree with it or not, judgment is upon them. Someone needs not just to preach but to pray. See our text is clear. God in the very midst of judgment Is seeking for those who will intercede. Amen. You see, we see this same pattern throughout the Bible. It's expressed over and over again. The prophet Isaiah is speaking for God, and judgment is turned away backward, and justice stand afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. And he saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Amen. You see where judgment is, amen, intercession is most needed. Someone to stand in the gap. Amen. This is the will of God. That's why God is displeased with His people when there is no intercession, because surely He is calling someone to pray. In fact, merely to see the condition and not to pray, amen, listen to me, it reveals a neglect in the moral sphere. What does intercession mean? How can it be defined? Well, universally, and in almost every application in the Bible, intercession simply means someone who pleads for another. An intercessor uh, then is an individual who positions himself between two parties one with the need and one with the answer and seeks to bring those two parties together amen you see this is the truth that intercessor essentially amen is standing between god and man pleading with god amen to do whatever is necessary amen to bring to meet that need amen but considering this truth, amen, that intercession is essential during seasons of judgment, then this makes it so, this truth so applicable to our situation now in time in America in 2013. Consider for a moment. As we know, the judgment of a holy God threatens to consume wicked men. It threatens to consume our nation and our wayward culture. America, amen, irrefutably is under the wrath of a holy God. Amen. There's no question about that. Uh, You've heard me say it before. This is merely my opinion, but I believe it to be true. I don't believe there's any hope for this nation. This nation will never be restored to what it once was. But I do believe there's hope for people within America. Amen. In other words, the people in this country's souls can still be saved. Amen. Consider the professing church in this wicked nation where the spirit of apostasy has swept multitudes under deception. Amen. That professing church abides under the displeasure of a holy God. I read yesterday, or my wife read, that Rick Warren, perhaps the greatest false prophet, one of the greatest false prophets in America today, his son committed suicide. We don't rejoice in that. That's an awful thing. Terrible thing. My heart breaks. Amen. For that man, no matter how wicked and ungodly he is. Amen. My heart breaks for the young man. Whomever he is, I don't know how old he was. Amen. For killing himself. Amen. Because he's in hell. I said he's in hell. No murder hath eternal life. Abiding in them amen that's the truth amen I don't rejoice to say it but it's so and it can't be otherwise but I can tell you listen to me it's judgment upon a people that lie about Jesus Christ it's judgment upon a people that uh, speaks a message that you can live in sin and go to heaven that you're eternally secure no matter what you do in fact that very lie may have have contributed to his undermining demise might as well get it over with and go to heaven oh what a lie that is Oh, what a lie that is. You see, judgment is upon this thing that professes, amen, to love God, but in fact is a is a breach and a child of the devil. Without intercession, as the Bible teaches, there's little hope that any of these souls, whether they profess Christ or they don't profess Christ, will escape the all-consuming wrath of God. Our culture is under judgment, amen? And think about it. This is not something hidden to those... Those who have discernment, but is open and obvious to all who can see. You know, even heathen know something's happening. Amen. Hey, I've talked to the unconverted that know. They say it's the judgment. Of a holy god i 've got customers, clients, hey Ben, they 're no more saved. Hey Ben than that carpet down there, and they 'll walk out and say, "Brother Bre, what do you think about what 's happening in our country it 's the judgment of a holy God. You see this is open it 's obvious for anyone who have ears uh, to hear and eyes to see, Thus, with such a tragic and horrific end, so certain, so open, and so near, even God wonders. And marvels, why aren't my people praying and interceding? With it so obvious, with every one of us telling everyone, judgment is here. God even marvels, why isn't someone interceding and praying? Isaiah 63 5, and I looked, and there was none to help, and I wondered that there was none uphold why why no prayer why so little intercession I'm not suggesting we've never offered intercession you understand but I believe every one of us here knows we're not interceding as we should amen can I get a amen we're not we're not praying for the lost like we should we're not praying for our lost relatives. Like we should. We're not praying for this community. Like we should. We're not even praying for one another. Like we should. Amen. We should be interceding. With a greater passion. Amen. With a greater purpose and a greater burden. Why though? Why isn't there intercession? The answer is we don't believe that prayer works. Amen. We don't believe in the influence of prayer. Listen, there's nothing greater that you can do, amen, for the cause of Christ than pray. There's nothing greater. It's better than anything. You say, I I want to be a missionary to Africa. Well, if God called you to Africa, then you're going to have to go to Africa. But I tell you, you don't ever have to leave. Your living room to intercede for Africa and for souls therein. Or Mexico, or wherever, or whomever. The greatest ministry you have before God for other people is the ministry of intercession. Amen. What we must see, and what we must even more importantly believe, is this judgment is stayed judgment is stayed or at least delayed when God's people will intercede and if we truly believe that you know as I was preaching Friday night I know the men know exactly what I'm talking about because it was that vile and that wicked and that evil and no one amen full of the Holy Ghost could listen to such accusations against God and his truth without wondering why lightning is not coming out of a clear sky and consuming you wonder will he be alive next week to utter such blasphemy will they be alive next week amen to speak such horrific words against Jesus well you know what God wants us to pray that he will be alive amen God wants us to pray amen that God will have mercy that time will be extended amen it's not our fault that he's blaspheming his sin amen We it can't be accounted to you and I but we we are obligated to pray that he won't be destroyed. And have we? You know, that's the thought that came to me. Friday night, have I prayed? As inwardly, I believe seething with a holy indignation. Amen. And no man could hear. You say, I'm not angry at that. You're not right with God. Amen. You're not right with God. You, you, hear, you hear words like that and it doesn't make you angry. Amen. Then you're a dead man. Amen, you need to get right with Jesus. Amen, and love him enough to be zealous for his glory. But as I was seething in my spirit at the blasphemy, Amen, I believe the Holy Ghost asked me, Have you prayed for him? Have you prayed for him? Amen. He wasn't rebuking me for rebuking him or reproving him or confronting him, even with the most severe and the most stern rebukes. No, no. The Holy Ghost never corrected me for that. But he did say, amen, have you interceded for him? Have you interceded for them as you should? Amen. You see, this is what we must believe. Why won't I pray? Why hadn't I prayed? because I don't believe that it'll work. But if I believe that judgment can be stayed, mercy can be extended. Amen. True. There comes a point. Amen. Where even the intercession of the saints. Even the intercession of the greatest prophets. Amen. And we read an account of that in the Bible. Amen. Though they stood before me, amen. judgment's still going to fall. Yes, there's a line, but we need to pray up to that line so that when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the full gospel. I said the full gospel. We believe we're full gospel people. The full gospel is extended to those whom we dwell with in the land. Amen. They preached to me. They prayed for me. They lived a holy life you know intercession is all of that it's prayer amen it's preaching it's living holy presenting a godly and a holy testimony that's the full gospel ministry and we must have such a testimony like that if the blood of men amen if the blood of men will be cleansed from our hands amen when we pray when we intercede as we should Then judgment, according to the verse that we read, and many other verses in the Bible, judgment is at least delayed, amen, and God gives men more time to repent. Thus, seeing the sword of judgment, we must not only sound the warning trump, we must likewise intercede. You know, we read about that in Ezekiel chapter 3 and Ezekiel chapter 33. Amen. Where the prophet is told by God. You see the sword of judgment coming upon a people. If you sound not. Amen. The trumpet blast of warning. And any man is taken in his iniquity. Amen. His blood will I require at your hands. That teaches us. We must sound the alarm. We must say something. To say if you don't repent. Amen. You're going to die in your sin. And go to hell. You must repent and turn away from your iniquity. Amen. And listen to me, I don't really believe that most people can see the sword of judgment or discern the sword of judgment without communing with God first. So we see that prayer and preaching can never truly be divorced. But nevertheless, listen to me, we are obligated to intercede. We say that we see, we point out that judgment is upon them. Amen. Then we must intercede for their souls. Psalms 106 and 23. Therefore he said that he would destroy them. Had not Moses his chosen stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath lest he should destroy them? Moses, pleading for that hard-headed, stiff-necked, unthankful, ungrateful Amen, Israelites who were delivered from Egyptian bondage but complained about it every single moment he pled for people that deserve judgment and never deserve mercy but he pled for them nonetheless and God said it was good God said it was good you know in the end only a handful amen the next generation Joshua and Caleb was really delivered out of that mixed multitude but still Moses you see, Moses washed his hands. He interceded. Amen. It wasn't because of his chosen, Moses, that they perished. It was because they rejected every effort of God to break them. And You see, this is the key. Amen, we're here in southwest Mississippi. I can't deal with what someone's doing in Wisconsin. Amen, but I can deal with that strip club in Woodville. I can preach to the students at LSU, Baton Rouge Community College, SLU. Amen, I can talk to people in this community. Amen, up and down the streets. And I am responsible for this generation of unbelievers. Amen, in the land. And I'm not only to confront, but I must pray as well. Surely in this hour of judgment, When our nation teeters under the most intense divine chastening, someone is called to intercede. How could God wonder, amen, that no one was interceding if he wasn't already first urging men to pray, and they refused? Again, the prophet Isaiah speaking for God as he poses the rhetorical question to backslidden Israel who was under judgment. Wherefore, when I came, was there no man? When I called, was there none to answer? Is my hand shortened at all that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? You see, God is not only willing, but he is able always to pardon and deliver. But he cannot do so apart from human cooperation what are you talking about, preacher? Namely, his people must both preach and they must also pray. They must warn, but they must also wrestle. And sinners and hypocrites must repent and believe. Amen. You see, the question is not, amen, can men get right with God? They can get right with God. God can deal with them. But the question is, will we do what God has called us to do? We'll never force someone to get right but can we stand before God and said we have done everything that we can every tool that you've given us in the spirit we have exhausted and utilized to see men come to the truth you see you remove one of these essential elements whether preaching or prayer amen remove amen a sinner that's willing to repent and there will be no salvation amen there has to be preaching There has to be prayer. There has to be faith on the part of the individual to receive. Remove one of those essential elements. Amen. And it won't happen. Remove one of the obligations of the church, both to preach and to pray. Amen. And we cannot say every effort has been made to secure deliverance. You know, we need to let that convict us. Because I do, and this is partly my fault because I haven't preached on it, As I probably should have. But you know we have an open air ministry. And I know that the lack, I I tell you really, there's, there's probably a greater lack for prayer than there is for evangelism even. Amen. Because really to find someone who really seeks God, that's about as rare a thing uh, as you can look for in the church, someone who really prays. But you know, listen to me. We're we're so zealous for evangelism. I'm not saying that we should be or we should back off in any way, but we've got to see without the element of prayer that our preaching is going to basically be an effectual. Over and over throughout the Scripture, God points out that intercession may have made the difference. I use the word may conditionally because every man has a free will. And we've seen men under the influence of God Himself reject God. That's the whole idea of free will. Uh, Basically, the free will that God has given us enables us to say no to Him. That's really the definition of a free will. And when men are in sin, they're exercising their free will, amen, to hate God. That's all it is, amen. But everyone has a free will. So no matter what kind of influence they're under, they still have the ability to say no. So we can never know for sure that someone is going to repent. But we are nevertheless to believe for them, amen. It says in Isaiah 64 and 7, And there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth of himself. To take hold of thee. Oh, what a shame. You know, we need, I'm waiting for the Holy Ghost to move upon me. You need to stir yourself up. You need to meditate on the truth and take the truth and apply that truth to your will. Amen. And stir yourself up. Amen. That the Spirit of God would honor. If you draw nigh to Him, He will draw nigh to you. This is true not only for the lost, but for the wayward church as well. Ezekiel 13 and 5, You have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. Don't you think you're going to answer to God for this? Don't, don't we understand? We're gonna. If he's holding them accountable under the old covenant, how much more we hold you and I accountable? This is something we're going to give an account of on the day of judgment. You saw the need. You saw brother. You saw sister. Hey man, you saw the family of God. There was need there, but you refused to intercede. You saw it. That means I revealed it to you. I didn't reveal it to you just so you could talk about it. Hey to pray. But to pray about it. We like to complain, amen, that the need's not met. But we don't like to pray about it. It's true, God's not going to force His will on anyone. But oh, what divine influence is truly available to you and I if we would simply believe and pray. All the testimonies that we've all read where someone, start maybe just with one person, just said, I'm getting ready to get a hold of Jesus. I'm going to press him. I'm not going to get my eyes on anyone else. Amen. They can see God or they can't see God or they won't. But me and my house, I'm getting ready to get a hold of God. Oh, what great things have done with men with such a heart. You see, that's the question we need to ask ourselves here this morning. Will God find? intercessors here at Consuming Fire Fellowship? Will God find an intercessor here at Consuming Fire Fellowship? You know, in Ezekiel's day, he said, I found none. You mean in all of Israel, he couldn't find someone that was setting aside time, amen, to labor and wrestle with him over uh, the sins and and the needs amongst God's people? Not one. And he said, therefore, because of that, even judgments come, and the land, the people, are consumed. You know, I believe there's a missing element here in this local assembly. Now, we have many needs, and I believe amen, that this is just one, but this is paramount. I believe, I believe there are people here that God has dealt with you before, amen, to become an intercessor, to be called aside. Now that doesn't excuse any of us from interceding, but I do believe there are some people that God is calling specifically to intercede, to give themselves, amen, to intercession, amen. You see, listen to me. In the early days of this ministry, there was a young lady, amen, and uh, that young lady, uh, she gave herself to prayer. And uh, one time she came to me, and uh, you could tell that she had a burden to pray, very chaste, very pure, very young. I can't remember exactly how old, in her 20s. Uh, maybe mid-twenties or what have you. And she asked me, she said, could I have a key to the church? Well, at the time, the church was in uh, downtown Woodville, but Woodville's not too dangerous, not too much crime there. I, you know, my first thought was her coming up to the church alone by herself, a single woman, And uh, but I gave her a key. She never said another word about it. But I, I soon found uh, there would be times I'd drive up there late at night to go pray. And as I dro- drove up to that church, I'd see her car parked there and a light on in the church and I knew she was in there interceding I never not one time knocked on the door never interrupted her just turned my car around went home prayed out in the yard somewhere or something I wasn't going to you know interfere with her but I can tell you that young woman was an intercessor Amen. nobody else may have known I didn't probably know the extent of it but because you know I was up there later at night sometimes I would see she was giving and sometimes I would go at nine o'clock go home and and then at 12 midnight drive up there again and she's still there amen giving hours to pray hours to intercede amen and i can tell you i could feel the intercession of that godly young woman in this ministry there was someone praying amen over the years who knows how often amen god separated that young woman to pray for needs in the church there was one occasion where i found out later i didn't know about it at the time But, uh, I had, uh, was working on my brakes. Under an old Chevrolet pickup truck And I got brake dust in my eyes And when I came out from the truck I washed my face or what have you But uh, there was a long sliver Of metal about an eighth of an inch long That was stuck right in One of my eyeballs And I could not get that thing out And the more I tried to get it out I used you know Q-tips, whatever My finger, the more I tried to get it out The more I drove it into my eye And when I got through with it Just a little piece sticking out It was scratching my eyelid it was so aggravating amen and i just couldn't get it out well went to sleep that night you know how that is skin or you know just as my eye tried to repair itself just grew over over that so now it's stuck in there and my eye began to hurt well, it was—I don't remember how uh, much longer in the future. A week, maybe two. Uh, I had to go to Russia. It was on a mission trip, and I was there for almost a month. And while I was there, about the second week there, my eye started throbbing all day long, just like I had a fever or something. And my whole white of my eye turned beet red, blood red. I mean, no white in my eye. And those Russians, oh, they were—they were so scared of me when I preached. Amen. Had that one red eyeball, and I'm. Scratching Screaming and holler, and they they didn't know what to think of me. Amen. But after a while, they were so concerned about me. They came up and said, "What about your eye, brother Brett? That looks terrible." And I said, I'm "Just believe in God." And that's what I was doing—just believe in God. You gotta heal me, Lord. I'd pray, you know. But we were in the school, and we went through, graduated, and came home. And on the way home, of course, you know, in the midst of ministry, we're in the school of Christ. It's all day long praying and preaching. You know, I really didn't think about it that much. But on the plane ride home, and everything settled down. Then the devil came to talk to me. He said, you idiot. Amen. You should have just went to the hospital the first day and got that thing pulled out, but you're so hard-headed. You let that thing in, stay in your eyeball. It's done rusted, and now your whole brain's infected. They're going to have to cut your head off when you come home. I mean, I tell you, I was, I thought they were going to have to give me a frontal lobotomy, which could have probably helped me a little bit, but I didn't want that. Amen? So here I got home, and I was there a week. Came Wednesday night to service amen and this is the first time the church has seen it. i remember people some of you that were here may have remember that and people were saying brother man, what's wrong with your eye and uh, i never knew she never said a word to me but i was very beginning to you know feel that that temptation to fear and i remember on a friday i went to the church and i prayed i said god you've got to do something i'm afraid you know i'm afraid and I don't want to go to the doctor. Not that going to the doctor is immoral. But I just wanted to see him glorified and see healing in my body. And say, God, you've got to do something. And, and I'm going to pray this week. But if Monday, if something's not happened by then, I, I, I believe I'm going to go to the doctor and have this thing checked out. And I just asked him to move before then. Well, I found out years later because she told me about it. She said that Wednesday night when she came to service and saw my eye, that a burden fell upon her. And she began to pray and fast. And she prayed all the way through the weekend till Sunday night. And Sunday night the Holy Ghost said the victory's won. And I woke up Monday morning. I got out of bed, walked to the bathroom as I normally do. Amen. Washed my face. And I recognized there was no pain. I opened my eye. There was not one single trace. Amen. Totally white. Amen. No pain. Totally, completely healed while I slept in the night. Amen. Well, I thought that was my faith that did that. It wasn't my faith. It was that intercessor praying for me, hidden behind. Listen to me. When someone is interceding, someone is praying, someone standing in the gap, someone that sees the need. Listen to me here this morning. Some of you see needs. You see needs in lives. You see needs in families. You see needs in marriages. If you would intercede, if you would push the plate back, if you would fast, if you would pray, we would see the supernatural. We would see God move. And revealed His arm. Someone is called to intercede. Amen. We need to be sensitive to the voice of God. Is God calling you to intercede? Is God calling you to separate yourself and pray? Amen. If you see things, amen, that that the, the gospel promises, amen, and you're alerted to that and discerned, that perhaps God wants you to pray and to pray secretly that He would meet the deed. You see, He is searching for those willing to pray in secret for those who labor on the front lines. He is seeking for those to pray in secret for others that sin in the open. He is looking for that secret intercession. You know, no doubt it's hard to find men who take the gospel into the streets and confront sinners with Jesus Christ and Him crucified but it's even harder to find men who are willing to labor with the burden of the loss by wrestling with God for souls in secret obscurity you know if Romans 10 and 14 how shall they hear without a preacher if Romans 10 and 14 teaches sinners cannot be saved apart from God sending them a preacher then Hebrews 7 and 25 almost makes intercession mandatory amen true biblical preaching can never be separated Amen from prayer Heartfelt spirit led prayer If God is calling us as a body To confront sin If God is calling us as a body To confront the apostate church Amen then we cannot shuck our responsibility We have to say amen to the fact That he's also calling us To intercede So we spent three hours Out in front of the Christian church so-called, you know, Christian, contemporary Christian music concert, confronting their apostasy, amen, then we must pray for them as well. Amen. And I don't believe we've done enough of that. I believe there's some people here that that's what God would separate you, amen, to himself primarily to do. I really believe that. I don't know who you are, amen, but I believe you need to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. Reading back through the annals of church history, you'll find that intercessory prayer was behind every single great move of God. Amen. Every single one of them. Even behind the names of the greatest movements and the greatest evangelists, there are usually an intercessor somewhere. As Edward and and Harvey said, prayer is the hand that moves the world. But the fingers of that hand are consecrated men and women. Consecrated men and women. For example, the great Moravian missionary movement. Amen, you've heard of that. They've been great and marvelous. These thousands of souls brought into the kingdom of God. Amen. They established, amen, some 130, 40, 50 years ago. I don't know how long ago it was. It might have been longer than that. But at one point, amen, at the height, amen, at the fever pitch, spiritual fever pitch of that movement, they established a 24-hour prayer meeting. In other words, wherever their churches were, amen, they signed up and they covered 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. For 110 years, there was someone praying. 24 hours a day without fail, without exception not one moment in that 110 year history was there not someone in that movement praying for the movement itself amen and we wonder why they have the power indeed Mr. Finney if you've read his uh, biography or if you read any history about Charles Finney the great evangelist he had two primary intercessors Father Nash and Abel Clary amen it was of Father Nash and he was so filled with the spirit of prayer they dare not ask him to pray over the meal because they would go three and four hours praying. He couldn't stop praying. They asked him to pray. He'd begin to pray. Three, four hours later they'd sit down to a cold meal. Amen. They let him uh, lead the intercessory prayer meeting had someone else pray over the food. Abel Clary was licensed to preach with Mr. Finney called to preach. But he never could preach, amen, every time he would come up to the pulpit, he would weep uncontrollably, so burdened to pray, that finally he said, I quit fighting, and all he did was pray for Mr. Finney everywhere Finney went and preached he didn't always go to the meeting but he interceded, amen, for Mr. Finney and for that ministry he passed away, went on to be with Jesus, before Charles Finney did, and they got his journal out and Finney says, he, as he read through that man's journal, Amen. Decades and decades of intercession for him and his ministry. He said, I could chart it. Amen. Just like a graph. Amen. When he was burdened, when he was praying for our ministry, I could go back and remember it was when revival came. Amen. It wasn't because his preaching. He said it was because I had men seeking God, praying for me. D.L. Moody, if you've read of his account, had Sarah Cook and a a band of dedicated women who prayed constantly that God would fill him with the Holy Ghost. Amen. They prayed all the time, prayed while he was preaching. Amen. I heard it said one time that he built a platform and underneath there was an intercessory prayer room. While he was preaching in the meetings, they were praying under the platform. Amen. The history of the early holiness movement is ripe with tales of long hours hours of intercession even as men ministered and preached the gospel amen for example william booth amen i've read of how they always had a band that was separated a band of believers that in every meeting they prayed before during and after the meeting amen it was said that they would choose specific names in many of these movements they would pick out a sinner and they would pray for him until he got born again or dead refuse to be denied we're going to pray for Mr. Jones we're going to pray for him for 10 minutes no, we're going to pray for him until until. if he don't get saved today we're going to spend another 3 hours tomorrow for him amen. if he don't get saved tomorrow we're going to spend another 3 hours the next day if he don't get saved this week, next week ne- until he's saved or he, get, he dies and goes on with Jesus amen, this was the faith and the boldness of such men amen you see listen to me they were praying men and women that's why they saw the power as they did Likewise, individual testimonies detailing the difference intercessory prayer makes abound in the history of the church. The Salvation Army, amen, was founded by Mr. Booth, a Methodist preacher. Amen. The Salvation Army was formed with the mission of sharing the message of repentance and that salvation came only through Jesus Christ. That's good. Now, you think of the Salvation Army today, you think of homeless shelters. Amen. That That isn't what they were originally established to do. They, they were called the Salvation Army because Amen. They they uh, had file in rank. They marched in the streets. Amen. They went in front of barrooms. There were people martyred in England in the Salvation Army. They used to get on trains. Amen. Get on trains and with a, a train ticket to some place two or three hours away, had fold up placards in their suits. Amen. In other words, they had banners and they had uh, sandwich board signs like we have. And when the train got going, they'd stand up on that train, unfold their placards and preach. Sometimes they'd throw them off the train. Amen. Going. Full speed, Amen. That's how much they were hated and despised, Amen. The Salvation Army was a real movement of God, and of course, they did at times feed people and house people and what have you. But their main purpose and function was to preach the gospel. Well, you see, we—I just read this first part of. That's good. They—they they were going to share the message of repentance and salvation. It only comes through Jesus. But that alone is not enough. Booth sent many people all over England burdened to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Booth sent two women, Kate and Mary Jackson, to Leeds to oversee a mission. Kate and Mary labored in Leeds for a couple of years. Nothing happened. These young ladies told every day, giving all they had without any return. Kate and Mary wrote, William Booth, would you kindly move us to another station? We're so tired and disheartened. We've tried everything that we've been taught to do. Please move us to another location. Booth sent a telegram back with two words written, Try Tears. Try Tears. Those two young girls began to pray and travail for souls, and they finally experienced true revival. Katie Mary did just as General Booth said, and God moved mightily. Leeds was transformed. The Leeds Salvation Army Church soon became the largest outside of London. When it comes to souls... There is no reaping without weeping. And I'm not suggesting that if we would truly intercede, we would have the largest church, amen, in this county. I'm not suggesting that, amen. But I do believe it'd make a difference. If no one, if no one got born again, I believe it'd make a difference in us. It'd make a difference in us, amen. As Samuel Chadwick pointed out, when God finds a man willing to intercede, mighty things happen. He said there have been souls that were mighty in prayer, and they learned to pray. There was a period in their lives when they were as others in the matter of prayer. but they became mighty with God and prevailed. In every instance there was a crisis of grace. But it was in the discipline of grace that they discovered the secret of power. They were known as men of God because they were men of prayer. Some of them were renamed like Jacob and Simon and Saul. They were called Praying John and Praying Bramwell and Praying Hyde. Our Methodist fathers were mighty in prayer. They saved England by prayer. They shook the gates of hell by prayer. They opened the windows of heaven by prayer. How did they learn to pray? They learned to pray by being much in prayer. They did not talk about prayer. They prayed. They did not argue about prayer. They prayed. In fact, when you go back and you study the biographies, the autobiographies, the history of the great revivalists and the reformers, Amen. You know, their manner of preaching indeed comes off the pages. It is, it is a characteristic of their ministries, that they were bold, that they preached against sin, that they magnified Christ, that they lifted up God, they exalted the law of God, they humbled man, abased man. Those things are evident. But I would say the paramount characteristic, amen, the, the, the leading attribute of those men, that they were men of prayer. They were men of prayer. You know, what would happen if someone here would take upon themselves to pray for this little church? What would happen if someone would really give themselves to intercede and to pray? You know, it says in Colossians 1 and 9, For this cause we also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You know, in the parable of the unjust judge, when the the whole premise, uh, the message basically is that men ought to what? Always pray and not to faint. And in the end of that parable, Jesus asked the question, when I return to earth, will I find faith? Will I find faith? Will I find an intercessor? Will I find someone standing in the gap? Will I find someone seeking to make up the hedge? What would happen if someone here would take such a ministry seriously? Someone who would pray for the moving of God's Spirit. Someone who would intercede for the anointing. And listen to me, we're all obligated to pray for these things. And, And listen to me, if you don't hear anything else this morning, these are things we should be praying about more. But what if someone really gave themselves to such intercession for the anointing of the Spirit of God that destroys the yoke? For the ministry, the office of the Holy Ghost, for the gifts of the Spirit, for the fruit of the Spirit, amen, for people to be born again, amen, for these young people to truly be saved and filled and established and sanctified, amen, for there to be unity, holiness, amen, that sin would be exposed, we need sin exposed, We need a standard in this house that nothing carnal, nothing unholy, nothing insincere could come in this house without great fear. A man can't do that. You can preach tough against sin and the flesh and sin will look you straight in the face and wink. It's only God and His Spirit to produce such an atmosphere. Such an ambience that hypocrites will fear. I'm not going there. I know I'm going to be exposed. I know there's some, something in t- unwritten, unspoken. That's a holy place. Amen. We need that here. If we don't have that here, then sooner or later, amen, the devil's going to send sin up in here and a little leaven is going to leaven the whole lump. Second Timothy 1 and 3, I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with a pure conscience without ceasing. I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Amen. The apostle Paul was an intercessor. What would happen if someone embraced a burden to pray for the lost souls at Illusions Club, at LSU, at S-O-U? Oh, Brother Brett, those folks are so hardened, though. God, he can make his word like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Oh, yes. There's no sinner so hard he can't break. Amen. Listen to me now. Granted, they're, they're, any sinner can resist God. Amen. But he can break them. He can influence. He can give them the opportunity. Amen. He can, as it were, amen, make them face reality. Amen. Turn the light on and open the door. Then the choice will be theirs, either to walk through it, amen, or to resist it. And we need to be those individuals that pray that such an opportunity would be given. Men may spurn our appeals, said, said Low Baxter. They may reject our message. They may oppose our arguments, despise our persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. You know, I thought about that Friday night. I thought about that quote right there. Because they definitely, amen, oppose our message. They despise our person, amen. They, they don't want to listen to anything. They, they're waxing irrational. Amen. Convincing themselves that our arguments mean absolutely nothing. Offering empty accusations to excuse their sin. But they are helpless against our prayers. Amen. The very thing they cannot stop. The very thing they cannot oppose. Amen. Is the thing that we should be doing. Amen. Are you suggesting, Brother Britt, if we'll pray, that all the folks at Illusions Club will be saved? It's possible. All things are possible to him that believeth. But it's not likely, I agree, amen. Few shall enter the kingdom of God. But some may be delivered. Some may be delivered and pulled out of the fire. What a testimony it would be if Daniel got born again. What a testimony for that man to stand before God's people and stand before God and testify of the saving power. I used to be a blasphemer, but God had mercy on me. What a powerful testimony it would be. What would happen if someone would be moved to pray for the communities here in southwest Mississippi? This is our land, if you will. This is where God put us. Amen. What if someone praying for Woodville and praying for Centerville, praying for Gloucester and Liberty and Roxy and this whole section where God has placed us, that there would be a consciousness of sin. You know, I know this community here. This is a religious, a gospel hardened area, perhaps more so than a lot of other places. And you can hardly even get people mad. These country folks here, you can tell them about, gee, they're just blind. Blind with religion. But God is... And that just shows us listen to me. There needs to be prayer. There needs to be prayer. There needs to be a pleading for their souls. God would break. God would send situations that would humble men. That there would be a consciousness of sin. What would happen if someone would really begin to pray? And finally indeed, what would happen if someone would intercede for the entire I heard Mr. Ravenhill used to lock himself in his study in the library. He used to take his globe. He'd spin it around, put his finger down. He'd pray for whole nations, pray for the leadership, pray for the church. Pray for those who are persecuted. Amen. He prayed and interceded. Amen. For the entire. You know, don't limit your vision. In other words. And that's the thing where people say, well, if you're burdened. To me, I can tell you right now. You say, I'm burdened to be a missionary. So God's going to send me to Mexico. I'm burdened for those Mexican people. Listen to me. You're really not fit to preach to them until you pray for them. You could be praying. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to spend any money to pray. And that perhaps is the greatest thing. You could do. Hutch and Taylor said, The prayer power has never been tried to its full capacity. If we want to see mighty wonders of divine power and grace wrought in places of weakness, failure, and disappointment, let us answer God's st- standing challenge. Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Oh, that we would hear that challenge. You see, because if we don't, there's grave repercussions. Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I've consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. You see, if we as the church, if we fail to provide intercession for those that we are called to minister to, then they will be destroyed, but we will give an account. We will give an account. Now, it's true, we're not going to answer for their specific sin. Don't mistake. Do you understand? I'm not saying, amen, that we're going to answer for their sin. Their sin, amen, is their problem. In fact, if you read, it talks about, uh, and and we just read it there, where it says, Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, not our way. It's their way. They're paying for their sin. Amen. They alone are responsible for their transgressions. Amen. But listen to me. I'm not suggesting we are to blame for their sin. I'm not even suggesting the church is to blame. Amen for their uh, lost condition but I am saying we are responsible to stand in the gap if we say that we see and we do say and testify that we see then we're going to answer for neglecting to offer intercession while knowing they perish amen that intercession would include preaching but it also involves our prayer as the prophet Samuel informed Backslid Israel, you remember this. They had rejected the ministry of the prophet. They had shunned truth. Amen. They went their own way. They chose a king, etc. and so forth. And Samuel told him, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord. in Ceasing to pray for you. Why did he say that? Because God called him to be an intercessor. And if I don't pray for you, then I'm sinning against God. Because he told me, stand in the gap. Stand in the gap. Regardless of how sin-hardened men appear to be at the declaration of the gospel, we are obligated to pray for them. Otherwise, they will be consumed in their iniquity and yet without the full ministry that God intended through his people which is, amen, a holy testimony, an example of what it is to really live for the Lord Jesus Christ. All the praying, all the preaching of unholy men means nothing. Amen? So there first has to be that genuine testimony of regeneration in us. Has to be that holy testimony. There must be, amen, a declaration of the gospel confronting sinners in their sin, dealing with the issue that separates them from God. That's not the thing they want to hear, thing they need to hear. And that's what we got to concentrate They're not going to like it. I said they're not going to like it. They're going to hate it when you really love them. Hey, but, but that's not the end. You got to pray for them as well and intercede. We must intercede. I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it but I found none. Oh to God that wouldn't be said about us. Let's stand here this morning. Hallelujah. Lord, make me an intercessor. Lord, give me a burden to pray as I should. The seeing eye, the hearing ear, it comes from God. We've been granted eyes to see. We've been granted ears to hear, church. We do testify. We confess. We communicate with our mouth the needs all around us but all we pray let's find an altar here this morning let's ask God to help us someone here I believe perhaps more than one surely more than one God is calling you to the ministry of intercession I believe that with all my heart you say well I'm a woman what can I do you can pray that ministry is not forbidden to women I'm a child. doesn't matter. Are you born again? That ministry is not forbidden from anyone. He's right with God. It's open to all. May God give you ears to hear. Someone here, I believe, God is saying, will you be an individual to stand in the gap? This is applicable to us all. Don't think that I'm saying that anyone is exempt. If you're born again, you have a moral obligation. But I really believe Someone here, God is calling you to intercede. God is calling you to give yourself. To labor in secret. To labor in obscurity. No one may know about it. That would be even best. Your prayers would only come from God. And God alone. But God is calling you to pray. And to intercede. God is calling you to pray. To be an intercessor. To stand in the gap. May you have ears. To hear what the Holy Ghost is saying to his church here this morning. We would just get a hold of this truth right here. We would just get excited about the possibilities of prayer, and intercession. It would transform your life and transform the life of this church. Jesus said, "If we had faith as a seed of mustard, Amen, we could move mountains." If we could just somehow get a hold of this truth. The potential. The endless potential. You know, really, spiritually, many of us, in our own personal walk, you can be seated. You're up against the wall. You've gone as far as you can go. Now you just round the mountain. Round and around. Same old, same. Same problems, same issues. If you would just learn the potential of prayer. Just learn, amen, the power available to seeking God. In your personal life, on a corporate level, devotional prayer, intercessory prayer. If we would just take a hold of this. If we would just get excited about it. If we would just believe the Bible in regards to this. It would transform. You know, I think back to the church that I was discipled in even years before I got born again in the mid-80s, maybe the early 80s. um, One young man got born again in the public school. Someone was witnessing to him, his parents, heathen. He he got saved independent of them and showed up at church. And he started witnessing. He really got on fire for God, and he began to witness to others. And all of a sudden, these young people from uh, a local high school getting born again. They're standing up in their classes. They're, they're really getting saved. Their parents are fighting them. I mean, they're not even... Nobody brought them to church. Amen. Somebody's witnessing to them. And there's a dozen or so of these young people. And the story goes, it came in the church and they really didn't know how to handle because their parents weren't right. and But they were really genuinely born again. And the young men, they didn't ask, you know, how young believers are sometimes. <laughs> they just... They wanted to go do something for God. So they didn't ask because they were afraid someone would say no. So they just went out to McDonald's and got on the hood of their car. No one told them about this. They just got on the hood of their car. and One of them was a musician. He made up a song, Stop That Sinning or You'll Go to Hell, and had this little song that he sang. And They preached to people at, at uh, the McDonald's. Well, there was six, seven, eight girls. I don't remember how many. They were 14, 15, 16 years old. They said, while well, y'all go out on the street, we're going to meet over here. This is all, They did this all on their own. These girls, they're separated. They're going to pray while the young men went out and preached. So they began to intercede two and three and four hours. And uh, it's a long story, but God did so much just by those young people beginning to intercede and pray and obey God. And uh, the preacher was a street preacher, but he hadn't been on the street in years. and Ended up. I mean, a whole ministry was birthed out of it. It's a long story. But just someone believing God. Yeah, you'll remember David Wilkerson. And I know Mr. Wilkerson in his latter years, I believe, uh, that ministry got off. I'm not ashamed to say that. But uh, God did use him for many years. And I believe uh, there was a beacon and a light that shined forth from that ministry. But that, that all started. He was uh, pastoring a church, a little country church out in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. And he dedicated, he used to it's hard to imagine David Wilkerson watching The Tonight Show. It's hard for any, imagine any preacher watching The Tonight Show. But he was watching The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. He said the Holy Ghost told him to turn that TV on. And he sold his TV and he dedicated one hour of prayer at that time. And that whole ministry, whole ministry birth right there started. When he just made that consecration, I'm going to pray one hour and see God. It can happen. What can happen in here if we would just give ourselves to prayer and obey the Holy Ghost. Amen. The possibilities are endless. them May we have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord saying to the church. Father, we're thankful here this morning. Let the seed, Lord, that true seed, Your Word, fall upon good ground that it might bear fruit, Father, and call us unto Yourself. Give us grace to pray, grace to intercede. Lord, I pray, Lord, that You would set a flame and blaze, Lord, this truth, Lord, that we would believe You. We would see the potential, the possibility. We would simply take You at Your word. We would see that we have not because we ask not. I pray, Lord, that You would be merciful to us in long-suffering. Call us unto Yourself. We ask it. Mighty name of Jesus. Let everyone say it, Amen and Amen. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise. <clears throat> God bless you. Six o'clock tonight. Let's come back. We're ready to seek the Lord. Hug someone as you go. Lord bless you. You're dismissed. Amen.